Hello and welcome to episode 128 of Relics of Ore. Joining me tonight, we have show regular Evie. How's it going? Well, not so regular because I wasn't here last week, but I'm back. So, hey. That's, that's true, but you're a recurring cast member at least. For a year or so or more or whatever. I, I don't even know how long I've been doing this anymore. It's been, it's been a while. But uh, now apparently a semi-recurring guest. We're also joined by Vrabin once again. How are you doing this evening? I'm doing pretty well. I'm glad to be here again. Good. Yeah, it's glad. always glad to have people. Spirit was going to be joining us, but had some last-minute plans pop up, and so it's just going to be us three dudes this evening. So and, and with... speaking of it being good having people, can I just say, and this is going back a little while, I just listened to Ryan's solo podcast. That was amazing. <laughs> that was pretty funny. That was a good podcast. That was pretty funny. I'm not going to lie. But, uh... <laughs> Yeah, that was pretty funny. If you haven't listened to it, give it a listen. It was when nobody could show up and Ryan played the part of everybody Everyone. on the podcast. And uh that uh I can't I can't believe he did it with an even kind of straight face. So <sighs> I really wish we had video again. That would just be great. For that one. Just for because that one. sitting like seeing him just sitting there talking to himself, probably making faces as he does the different voices because it's Ryan. Mm-hmm. It, it would have been glorious. Yeah, it would have been pretty good. But uh, anyway, uh, yeah, I guess without further ado, we're going to move just right along into the rotating cog. Yeah. No patch Tuesdays. Give me something to kill already. You know what they say, a patchless Tuesday amasses nothing to talk about. So we've actually had kind of a surprisingly large volume of things that have come out in the last week or so. And it's a little bit odd because we're doing midweek podcasting now instead of on the weekends, and so we sort of get almost two full weeks of information sometimes, but... It's much better than doing podcasts on Tuesday, though. Yes, yeah, that's definitely true. We don't have we don't have patch night blues. Yeah, we always have enough to talk about, it seems. Yeah, that's... Well, yeah, before it was that it was always a, a mad rush to get to, to sort of play the content and or whatever and make sure that we all knew exactly what had just come out that day and it was more that it was stress stressful than uh than an inability to talk about things but i will say though that doing that for quite some time has honed my this is obviously some kind of foreshadowing going on right now senses (laughs) <laughs> when it yeah. comes to the living story, because well, I have to come up with all those theories in a matter of like two hours. Yeah, we established that sometime back that you have amazing foreshadowing ability, Evie. Yeah, so, or ability to see foreshadowing. I don't know how you do it when you're writing, as I foresight. But uh, anyway, um, so well, I guess one of the let's just move right into some of the things a uh, feature that we've been wanting to have for actually really since the release, but hoping that we'd get ever since China, was uh, guilds finally getting unified along now that mega servers are a thing. Um, and by that, we mean that uh, guild banks are going to become just one bank. You can access it no matter what server you're on, whereas previously there were banks for each server. Your influence is unified. All of the things that All of the things that separated the guilds by server are collapsing into themselves. And I think it was really good that they... They, did, they took a really good approach to it because there was some concern that if a guild had multiple banks on different servers, how they would deal with the items. And they've come up with some new tech to make temporary bank slots 
filled with those items until those items are withdrawn and then the bank slots disappear until... Can I just say real quick that RO is about to get a massive influx of food <laughs> from other servers? Because before we switched to Northern Shiver Peaks, like, like right after Way back. We already had the bank full of food because that was when all the mains were cooking. <laughs> yeah, it's going to be interesting. I'm I mean, I'm finally going to be able to pilfer several of my guilds guild banks because I'm not actually on any of their main servers, so <laughs> that'll be convenient. But yeah, this is, a, this is a change everybody's been asking for for a long time and they said that they needed to work on. And so It's it a good like... change, but when I first was hearing about it and seeing, I thought, "Oh, yes, we're going to have we're going to have alliances wait, no alliances yet." Yeah, that's I really, I really don't think alliances are ever going to be a thing because of the way they design guilds in general. And now with the way they've got, like, the server doesn't really matter when it comes to guilds anymore. There's really, like, very little incentive mechanics-wise to do that. Yeah, the only one that I can really think of is for a chat, a glo- you know, a, a exactly. multi-guild spanning chat. If they just gave us chat between guilds, that different guilds, you know, how allowed into that would be enough for me that's what we used in guild wars one and alliance was great yeah i miss I, it but i don't think we're gonna get it i barely look at chat anyways so like that is completely lost on me yeah if you're not in voice chat you like don't exist to me yeah it looks like uh along with the change there's also gonna be some other small or well maybe not so small but some improvements to the mega servers with regards to guild missions, that it's going to save some slots in your guild mission instance so that you can guest over more easily, which I think is really important. Mm -hmm. And speaking of guild missions, if you have your guild split up across multiple servers and you have like the cap of merits on the, all the different little guild splits, you will not lose the merits you have earned on the different servers you will not be able to gain any after this change until after you go under the cap again, but you will not lose anything because of the change. Which I probably think is why it took them so long to implement this compared to China, because they wanted to make sure that no one lost anything. Yeah, especially with the bank slots. It's a little bit easier to conceive of raising the raising the maximum cap for a number like influence, but coming up with those... And by cap, you know, a temporary cap, but coming up with that, that system to have temporary bank slots was probably quite a bit of work to get right. So I have to yeah. really have to really hand it to him for getting it right, I guess. I'm just waiting for someone to figure out how to, like, keep those temporary bank slots somehow and that to become a whole shabakle of its own. Yeah, we'll see. We'll see. Maybe someone will figure out how to clone Ectos like they did in Guild Wars 1. <laughs> Instaban. Instaban. Yeah, that's true. Uh, we kind of already just talked about that. Sorry, I'm just reading through our show notes. <laughs> well, um, another thing with mega server improvements, we didn't really go into mega server specifics, but for our European fans, they are improving the language, like that looks realization really thing. I I wonder how they're implementing that. What tech they have behind that. I mean, it's more of a, how do the gears work? It doesn't have much to do with Guild Wars, but it's really interesting, and I'm glad that they're doing that to help people. It seems like an excellent thing to do to get people speaking the same languages on the same maps. Why don't you um, explain what I it is a little they, bit? So, in Europe, obviously, Europe is a very small landmass compared to the United States. And in this small landmass, there are a lot more languages than, say, the United States. Officially, anyways. So... 
on the European servers, it's been kind of a problem that people that speak different languages are on the same servers and can't really communicate because of that. Um, mega servers kind of exacerbated this problem by just mixing everyone together constantly. Mm-hmm. There was supposedly an algorithm that kept people that have like same language clients together, but it wasn't really working. So I'm assuming they've kind of hashed that out and given it more priority. Yeah. Now that's good. Those are there's a lot of changes like that that look like they're going to be coming with this feature patch that are maybe not invisible, but not necessarily quite as obvious or apparent, but it's still really important that they get done. So, you know, good on them for all that stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh and speaking of uh well some other, I guess just not really even speaking of, but we've got a really a whole host of features that are all sort of individually not the biggest most important thing, but kind of all together are going to be a lot of really nice quality of life changes. I know one that's been clamored for for a long time is the problem with dungeon instance owners and the fact that if whoever created the instance got booted and or changed characters and or crashed, it could just wipe out everybody in the dungeon. So it looks like they're finally able to get rid of that. I know I'm sure that took a lot of coding work to get that working because, you know, I mean, it's just a fundamentally different design for how it's going to do the instancing. So hopefully that works out well and doesn't glitch out. And with any luck, this will sort of, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Demotivate? No. De-incentivize? De-something. Disincentivize? Disincentivize people from selling runs because there's no owner anymore. So for all they know, these people could be like, hey, we're going to buy this run from you. And then they just kick them. I, like before they pay them. Mm, I don't. But remember. more on that later. <laughs> yeah. Well. Yeah. That's okay. that's that's fair. I guess. Um. Maybe we'll see. We'll see if that actually does it. I mean, at the same time, I guess it makes it a little bit easier to run other people through things. Maybe not for profit, but just in general, because you can open up essentially as many slots as you want to get people to the end of something. For example, the the real advantage that I will see and see for myself is sometimes I'm in an instance, and whether it's a guildie or someone, they need to switch characters because we need another guardian, or we don't like someone that's on the thief right now. And it helps to switch it out, but then you've got the instance owner that can't, and they're the pro guardian, you're like, oh, well, I guess we'll redo this dungeon, or something. Or just, in, that or just in general, straight. if you have to leave. You know, sometimes yeah, things take too. longer than you expect, and especially Off with... Or, uh, well, especially with, um, like, fractals that can be kind of inconsistent yes. in their length. It's just nice if something comes up that you can swap people out. So yeah, it's definitely a nice quality of life. Yeah, which is why I've always come up with a rule that if you are not playing a heavy armor class or elementalist, you are not allowed to lead the party if there is one in the party already. Yeah. Anyway, we'll see. We'll see how it uh, pans out. But I think it's something that a lot of people have been wanting for a long time. Again, it's one of those things that if you don't do dungeons too much, it, you're not going to care. But for the people that do dungeons, it's going to be really nice. It's a very good quality of life change, which is like what everything in this patch is. Yeah. And along with, uh, in the same vein of, if you don't do it, you're not going to notice. But if you do it a lot, you're going to notice a lot. There's going to be updates to the crafting UI. Now you're going to be able to have multiple recipes opened at once effectively, 
uh, and be able to open up the component parts that require crafting. So, for example, if you're crafting a weapon and one of the ingredients to the weapon is an insignia and the insignia needs to be crafted, you can click on that insignia and it will open that recipe up from the crafting window. You don't have to go hunt down all the little parts. Um, and that's that's a huge quality of life feature for crafting, in my opinion, because it was really tedious going through and especially for these more complicated recipes, hunting down... I imagine that cooks, the cooking profession is going to benefit most from this. Yeah, probably. But just, I mean, just anybody, really, anybody that was doing a lot of crafting, especially more complicated things, it's just going to be so much easier to navigate and not worry that you're maybe selecting the wrong one or something like that. Because that was, that was always something that would happen to me if I was bolt crafting, would be that I would accidentally go and as I was going down and sort of pre-crafting all Especially of the components. Especially when they move the list, right? Yeah. Like when I've done that where I've done staves instead of scepters and stuff and I'm like, oh man, and I've got like a ancient stave in my inventory that I don't need to want. It's like, oh man. Yeah. Yeah. So again, it's, you know, it's one of those sort of small, but it's going to be really convenient for a lot of people. So, you know, kudos again. And another small and very convenient thing, or it could be huge depending on just how of a much of an impact this has they are doing a performance update with i'm not exactly sure with techno mumbo jumbo but basically expect higher frame rates unless you like play on a potato then never expect high frame rates yeah but especially it's it especially calls out the large scale world events like world v world and meta events so hopefully we see some good changes there yeah that'd be excellent yeah all sorts of all sorts of things like that Somebody want to talk about the blog post that just came out today? I know we're we're sort of going out of order for news, but it's all just sort of in our show notes in whatever order it came in. Anybody want to talk about the new profession loot and crafting back pieces? Well, speaking of crafting, before we get to that, they're adding leveling items to the game that crafters can create, as well as the loot tables of some monsters. This stuff... it's, it's kind of confusing the way they've worded it, but it seems like when you make one of these or get one, it will scale with you as you level. Am I right with that? Oh, I did not catch that, but maybe. <laughs> like, so is this kind of like the uh, the Flame Imp Summoning Stone from Guild Wars 1? You're not summoning something, but it will scale with you. Uh... Well, here's the thing. The way they they like describe it d- directly, this is from the blog, blog post. If you're lucky enough to come across the cannon law, you'll be able to choose between two stat combinations and receive a level 36 rare rifle with the Crichton rifle skin and stats that are a little more potent than most rifles of its level. These items are intended for the up-and-coming heroes of Tyria. As such, they extend up to an exotic level of rarity, but they are exclusively under level 80. You may find that early explorations of Terry are easier the second, third, or 23rd time around with some of this gear. I don't think it scales. I think they're merely trying to indicate that at higher levels, say at level 72, there will be exotic weapons that are better than the weapons of that level. Um, and well, Go ahead. To me, it sounds like you make this thing, and when you use it, you get something for your level... The actual item itself won't scale as you level, but when you use it, it'll be your level. Hmm. I don't think that's how it works, but I guess we'll just have to wait and see. I mean, I'm sure there'll be plenty yeah. of information on the wiki about it. I think it's kind of interesting if it 
doesn't scale, I feel like it's a little bit weird in the sense that it's kind of, I don't know if I want to say this, but kind of too little too late. It's, it's not that big of a deal. Yeah. If you, if you're, if you're brand new to the game at this point, which I feel like there can't be that many new players, then you're probably not going to notice it. And if you aren't brand new to this game, you're probably plenty wealthy to just keep yourself fully upgraded in all of your slots. And one slot being slightly better, maybe is not really going to make that much of a difference. Well, Here's the thing, you mentioned like it being better for new players, but most of these are going to be advanced crafting recipes, which new players aren't going to have access to. Yeah, I mean, unless it drops for you. I guess. <laughs> you know. Yeah, but I think how many people are that are still playing this game are still making new alts, is the thing. So that's why it might be a little too late. Well, I... Not so fairly recently, it's been less than a year because he hasn't gotten his birthday present yet, I know that for sure. Uh, remade a thief because I was sick of being a human and they fixed the clipping issues for the armor that I wanted on my Norn. Yeah, but that sort of, don't you sort of fall into that other category that I listed of people that have been playing long enough that you've got plenty of money to keep yourself fully geared all along the way? No. No? Okay. <laughs> I am more broke than something I probably shouldn't say over anything decent. <laughs> Well, there you go, I guess. We'll see. It's it's interesting, but there was other things. So you have to tell us how that works out later, Evie. <laughs> yeah, it's true. The uh, the new thing, does it help you or does it not? We're curious to know. I hate crafting, so no, it doesn't help oh, me. Then I guess well, somebody else you. can probably make it for you. Or you can probably, eh, maybe you can't buy it. I don't know. I'll make one for you or I'll send you some gold, Evie. I don't know, they might be bound so that you can't sell them. It's hard to tell. They I... probably are. That's what I hate about this game. Sometimes the account bound, the soul bound stuff, I mean, I've gotten stuff that I'd give to people that have wanted it because I've got the crazy RNG, as we've mentioned before in the show. But I can't because it's account bound. It's like, uh... Speaking of account bound and unique loot for you, they were introducing a semi-smart loot system. Also, that segue wasn't made. <laughs> Anyways. And the semi-smart loot system gives you loot for your profession, if I'm not mistaken. Is that correct? Exactly. You are much more likely to receive things you can actually use rather than things you can't equip. You can still get stuff you cool. can't equip, but you're more likely to get stuff that you can't. It's kind of like what so Diablo 3... That's nice. Diablo 3 did a similar thing, I believe, especially with the Ex shutdown of the auction house. Or the, yeah. Speaking of Diablo 3, today, actually... I, the very first legendary after playing for, or not playing for three months, was on my Demon Hunter, and I got a strength necklace, and I was just like, this is, this is my life. To those of you that might be new to this show, my RNG is horrible, and I am always going to be complaining about it, even in other games, so just warning you now. Yeah. But we were talking about a little bit earlier the crafter crafting segue that got dropped in in favor of talking about the new leveling items. There's also the new crafters backpacks, which I don't really know too much about, other than the fact that they are a host of new skins. Um, I don't know. Well, there's not much on there. Yeah, it seems like a host of new skins. I like crafting, even though the crafting in uh, Guild Wars is kind of theme park crafting, and there's not a real big impact on the economy unless you know there's time gated stuff but i like making myself stuff i feel there's something in the role play when i'm playing the game that i like to make my own gear instead of going buying it off the trade post the crafters so, backpacks for the most part just seem like oh hey this is a way i can show off that i'm level 500 in armor smithing by having this thing on my back yeah yeah i mean new skins that we don't have to pay for at least i guess is nice that's excellent 
but it's um, nice. unfortunately they do specifically mention that they're fairly easy to make yeah so there's that yeah unfortunately they're in the oft coveted or at least oversaturated back slot so whatever i'm noticing in Which, the picture again I is shafting engineers just saying yeah well I, yeah i think there's just as many engineers that would rather be able to turn off their kit backpacks but anyway that's kind of neither here nor there although it is related so I guess the only other really thing in the rotating cog section is the birthday stuff. Those of us who played during the Head Start have started receiving our birthday gifts. Um, they contain a moderate number of things. You get a new title, which is Veteran. You get a birthday booster once again, which are awesome. And I don't even like boosters for the most part, but the birthday booster is so good that it's hard to resist. I still have six of them from last year. Yeah, I was going to say, I think I still have five. Um, You get a skill scroll worth five skill points that is soul-bound, which is kind of nice, I guess. It would be neater if it was account-bound, but whatever. You get another experience scroll, which at this point kind of makes me want to gag, and then it makes me double gag because they don't stack with last year's experience scrolls. Or each other. Or each other. So, uh, j- uh, just, I'm... At least we didn't get another Metro Queen Jenna. What was that, Vrabin? At least we didn't get another Metro Queen Jenna. Yeah. See, that kind of bothers me, because minis have been a tradition for, like, a really long time now. Well... And we didn't get a mini this year, and that kind of bothers we me. Still, I'm not gonna we lie. still may be able to get one. My thinking is that... They added that birthday NPC that all he did was give us a title for the first birthday that we had, which seems completely superfluous. And my guess is that on the actual anniversary, i.e. tomorrow, um, or perhaps with the next actual, with, with the feature patch or whatever, that he might have a choose a second year birthday thing. And that might be a multiple mm-hmm. set of rewards, including the possibility of a mini pet. At least that's my hope, is that he's going to actually do something. It's just that they haven't done it because technically it's not Guild Wars' official birthday yet. It's just Head Start birthdays sort of get a little bit of a jump. But that's the price of podcasting the day before my theory day. We don't get to know whether I'm right, so I guess we'll find out next mm-hmm. week. Um, and then finally, the most unique item is the birthday blaster, which is a it's a cake it is gun. a cake gun, which is and now cake. we have portals and cake in Guild Wars too. Yeah, that's true. That's true. That's an excellent connection. It's it's odd. Half Life Three combined. <laughs> awesome. Uh, yeah, it's it's an odd choice, I guess. You use it and you can shoot consumable cakes onto the ground. They give plus 40 to all attributes, 15% karma, 15% magic find, 15% XP. But the kicker is that it lasts for 10 minutes, and that's a really annoyingly short amount of time to have to hunt back in your inventory for it every time that you want to do that. And, I mean, I, I guess I shouldn't really complain about it, but the, it's it's sort of one of those inventory sinks, once again, that there seem to be getting increasingly more of that you can't really effectively store. And... In particular, this one, because they are soulbound for God knows why. So, <laughs> you either have to take up a slot in your inventory forever, or take up a spot in a bank tab that nobody else can use. They can't take it out themselves, yeah. or you have to delete it, which is just... I, yeah. 
I like it a lot, though, and I have not benefited from it yet, because I think my birthday's in five days mm-hmm. or something. But just running Edge of the Mists, people are blasting it all over the place, and I'm getting more karma but and more experience. Where here's the thing, and this is kind of tied to why they might be blasting it around Edge of the Mists. Low-level tunes with this buff are kind of godly and world world. Didn't they patch that already? I have no... I- I think they the, patched uh, it within a day, but anything. it was funny. You should you should tell people at least what was happening. But I'm almost positive that they did change it within a day. I didn't hear about this, what was happening. Go ahead, Evie. Hello? Hello, Evie. Oh, we lost Evie. All right, well, the show must go on. I'm sure he'll be back in a minute, but his internet is butts. So, uh, are you back? I'm back, All right. I'm back. So tell us what happened in World v. World with this buff. Okay, because of the way things scale, when... Low-level tunes were given this buff. Their, like, crit chance and power would just, like, go through the roof, essentially. Because it scales you up, and normally it doesn't... It, it What it appears like it's doing is that it's scaling you up by just a percentage multiplier to figure out what your stats should yes. be. Mm-hmm. And since this is a special new kind of nourishment buff that is different and unique, the system wasn't properly accounting for it, and so your plus 40 to all attributes ended up being thousands to several of them at high level, and the difference was, you know, you had characters where if they were a not level 80 being leveled up, they would have something like, you know, 150 of one of their stats, and with this on them, they would have 1500 of that stat. So, um... It was kind of ridiculous. It was pretty dumb, uh, but kind of funny. Kind of funny. So I'm I'm pretty sure that they, I'm pretty sure that they patched that though pretty quickly. Sounds like it's just so ripe for exploit. Oh to yeah, have to. I'm sure. Yeah, for yeah, sure. So I'm not surprised that they patched it really quickly either. I just did it. I hadn't heard of yeah, it. Yeah, it, it it is pretty funny. Um, so. Uh, I guess for the most part, that really covers our rotating cog stuff, so I guess we should just move into our dungeon section with Zerker's only ping gear, please. Evie, why don't you uh, lead us off for a, for a minute here? I need to step away real quick, but you can you can guide us for a minute here. You, you are leaving this place in not very capable... Danger hands. zone! Just letting you know. Danger zone! Anywho, apparently... Uh, during the slow news week of not this week, but the week before, where we got a good bit of bad news and storming weather, something kind of happened and things were said. And someone from ArenaNet mentioned that we should probably not expect any large changes to dungeons in the foreseeable future. I.e., we're not really working on it right now. Um, yeah, that's. Yeah. Uh,. I like running dungeons, but I think there are some issues. I don't like how the meta where everyone stacks. So I'm sad that they're not going to be changing things to keep people moving around. And it seems like every dungeon I do, everyone stacks in these certain places, and that's just how you do it. They've they've slowly been like patching things here and there to kind of move people away from that. Like just Ascalonian Catacombs and the Spider, just as an example. Yeah. But like for someone to just straight up say, we're not doing this, is kind of like... You're alienating that community. Because there is a dungeon community. Oh yeah, definitely. And it's just like, why Why would you do that? It, Although the alternative is you release no information, and that's probably even worse. Because then they're like hopeful and they constantly get mad that you're like not doing anything. And then they're just like, why aren't you doing anything? We think you're doing things. And it's, it's just... 
bad jujus all around. Yeah, and if they put the dungeons in the game and they're not going to upkeep them, I mean, like I said, you're exploring a part of the community, so I really wish they'd do, do more with it, with dungeons. But I would also be happy if they gave us more dungeons and you kind of left the ones that they have alone, because, you know, they we've done them already. Yeah, I, I'd be totally fine if they, like, ignored all the old stuff and just gave us new things to do. Yeah. Following, you know, the design reasonable. cues that they've been doing with the living story so far, as far as boss design and whatnot, they can make some pretty good dungeons. I mean, look at the Aetherblade path in Twilight Arbor. I recently ran that, and it was excellent. I, I liked it a lot. Yeah, and they actually... <laughs> I don't know if you were doing a segue or not, but that was amazing. They actually specifically mentioned that path and how so few people run it. And I... I've said this before, and I'll keep repeating it until either someone really understands me at ArenaNet and they do something about it, or they, like, stop complaining about it, one or the other. The reason why people don't run Twilight Aetherpath is, one, it's not new anymore, and two, there's no reason to repeatedly run it for well, there's the such a long time. But I think one of the bigger reasons people don't run it is because it's very mechanic-centric, and it would be impossible. It would be a nightmare to pug. I did it with guildies, so we had voice chat, and we were still having trouble with some of the puzzles and things, um, partly because it was my first time through it. But that would just be a nightmare to pug. I wouldn't even attempt it. So I think that's part of the issue. Um, you're not going to be able to find a group unless you are you know, giving them voice chat all the time, and they're accepting that, that are going to be able to continuously do that. But that's kind of accepted, though. At least to me, that's an acceptable thing for making slightly more difficult content for instance. But it is why people don't do that, it. Like, that is... Yeah, I think it is why people don't do it. It's part of the reason people don't do it. I absolutely agree. But I think a lot of the motivation is lost even within the community that would be willing to do that because the rewards just don't fit. Like, me personally, I don't run Twilight Aetherpath because I know I'm not going to get anything out of it that I actually want. And, sure, you mentioned the skins, but the chance of getting those skins, which, by the way, I actually like, is so astronomically low that I don't see the point in trying. It's much more efficient for me to just farm up gold and buy them. Yeah, I mean, it goes back to the to the common problem that dungeons have always had in this game. And really every kind of content in this game is that the time and skill investment both and those are separate things but both of those relative to the payoff is just completely out of whack on a lot of these things and that's why you see people run specific dungeons ad nauseum is because they either take no time no skill or both and get similar rewards and certainly a better return on your time investment and so um, yeah, I mean that's that's why you have so many yeah. dead paths. That makes me though ask why are people why are people playing the game? Because I I don't really care about my rewards as much as I care about the fun. And Aetherblade Path is a lot of fun. It's got mechanics. It's interesting when you're doing it. And I don't really care if I get tons of gold. I had fun with my guildies, my friends doing it. And that's why I play. And that that's where I think maybe Guild Wars is trying not to be that type of MMO. And people have told me that I'm not that type, not an MMO person. So well, the problem I, is not so much. You're you're absolutely. Well, uh, I'll just say it real quick is the problem is not so much what you just said, but the the question is how many times are you going to do that that specific path because it's fun and exactly. you've done it, but if you're not going to be doing it lots of times, then it's not going to get used. And if they're going to be complaining about it not getting used, like that that is why people play repeatedly is because they're they've done all the things that they think are fun and are now resorting to earning money for rewards that they want. 
and so they're trying to be efficient about that goal. But like the the point about whether doing content for fun is important, but at the same time, there's only so many times you can do the same thing and have it keep being fun instead of being work. And if you're going to be playing to be working, you're going to be doing it efficiently. Like that's what it breaks down yes. to. But I think the mechanics and the design of that dungeon are intricate enough that I could play it, I don't know, 10, 15 times and feel like I've mastered it and then walk it- away from it. Here's the thing. As someone that used to do, like, world first, I used to smash my head against bosses 50 times in one day. And by the time we finally got on to the next boss, I never wanted to see that thing again. Yeah, I mean... And while this is not as extreme with, like, your most casual player, quote-quote, once you've run even the most mechanically difficult fight, like 20 times it's sort of just muscle memory and just kind of going through the motions and it's not fun anymore so if you're not getting something out of it like that big rush at the end of it that's just like yeah or like something in game well that's the thing i guess i would nice come point i would be getting something out of it say i learned how to do it and then i'm teaching other guildies or other players how to do it that would be fun to me as well because i think i'm more in this for community not for rewards and even though I have already, but by your you. own admission, like you said that you'd feel like you were ready to walk away from it after ten or fifteen times. That's not very long. That's true. That's, that's not very long in the real world, not, and especially for how long this has been out. Long. This specific thing. But I think that I would do more if I was showing it to people and bringing new people into it as well. And, and, so I would amend that statement. And I would. Mo- I'm mostly the same when it comes to that as well. But the thing is. Of all my friends, this this content has been lo- out long enough that basically almost everyone I know has done it repeatedly. And there's no reason for us to, as a group to go back because we're not going to get anything. Yeah, and that's at this point in the game's life cycle, that's, the reality is they're not gaining that many new players. And you wouldn't expect it to after two years. And, I mean, not to harp on the expansion topic, but that is a big part of expansions that's so important is that it's a... Uh, it's a banner for people to rally on to either come back or get into the game. And it brings back that fresh blood for exactly what you're talking about. But without those types of things, the people that are still playing have all mostly done it. I mean, there's... Yeah, I think this might be a little bit of a casual versus hardcore discussion, but I agree with you completely that we need an expansion. Yeah. I mean, even even in the casual versus hardcore, if, I mean, the Aether Path's been out for what? A year? Or a year? Yeah, almost exactly a year now, so, you know, at this point, a lot of those things have been out enough that even the the most casual player, if they're interested in doing it, will have already done it. Will have, like, had the opportunity to do it, like, repeated, like, even if you only did it once a week, that's well over 20 times by now. But anyway, it's, uh, you know. It is what it is. I think, I think we all sort of know the state of dungeons, and I guess, if nothing else, it's Nice to get an official word on it, even if it's not the news you want to hear. After last week's internet implosion over transparency and communication, that's something that we have to accept, is that we have to also accept communication that we don't like. <laughs> you know? Like, so... Yes. It's, yeah, so... I'm I'm fine with it in that sense. Like, I I would much rather they tell us that they're not working on it than not tell us anything and just sort of say maybe... Yeah, because the community, as a, in general, sure you might be burning like the dungeon community off a little bit, 
but it's better to burn them off than to have them linger and poison the rest of the community. Yeah, that's precisely right. That, that's just and that's, that's one of those things where I get frustrated about the expansion slash living story debate is that if, you know, I can't, I can't decide whether or not they're actively working on an expansion and being really tight-lipped about it because they still keep getting burned for things like their precursor statements, or if they're not working on an expansion and don't plan to. And if they told us that they're not planning to do an expansion at all, instead of just being sort of vague, I think that would be sort of a killing blow for a lot of people. But at the so, I mean, it, it sort of makes me cynical sometimes. Um, but at the same time, the longer that you go without knowing if it's ever going to happen, the more sort of cynical and jaded you get about, you know, whether it's ever going to happen, I guess, is so. Like... Just as an example, if we don't get an expansion announcement within the next year, and then all of a sudden they're just like, oh, hey, we're working on an expansion, a lot of people are going to be like... Or, no, or right. even if they're not like, yeah, right, they'll just say too late. That's always the danger, is, you know, exactly. to the, the too late thing. But that's, again, we, we, we go on about that a lot, so... Yeah, I kind of felt it was too late. I took a several month break, and I've been back, what, for a month now or so. And I felt before I came back it was too late. I mean, all these cool things were coming into the into the game, all this stuff uh, where you've got the uh, wardrobe and things that were more like Guild Wars 1 philosophies. And I didn't come back for almost a month, same, but I did come back, so I don't know. I think, you know, internet people, people, you know, you say, oh, I'm not going to do it, but then if there's something new, you got to go yeah. check it out. Uh, potentially. Um, but since we're talking about dungeons, we might as well also mention that there's been a little bit of communication on the forums about what exactly they consider to be exploits in dungeons, and it's again it's good to have transparent communication it's it's much better for them to give examples than to not and just say you know it's an exploit when you're doing it because i don't <laughs> i don't really agree with that stance because i feel like the line between exploit and you know bad design is taking advantage of game yeah mechanics well or just in, in general. general yeah bad like either taking advantage of game mechanics or taking advantage of bad design is a very, very slim difference, if even you can call it one, from an exploit. And there, it's it's sort of like... It really just boils down to... Right, exactly. Philosophy. And it's sort of like that, I don't know, I you know, that famous quote of, I can't tell you what it is, but I know it when I see it, is sometimes you know. You know, anything that's duping, for example, is obviously an exploit. Or anything that, like, one-shots something on accident, you know, is obviously an exploit but you always get into these gray areas about hey 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 you're mentioning something that i told you not i don't to even mention. remember what you told me not to mention or did i tell kate that <laughs> I, don't I don't think it was me now. okay move along i i moving along something happened in the past that i found by accident and it terrified me because I was scared I was yeah. going to get banned. I mean, and, I was yeah. I got paranoid just, just about parking level 3 characters at that permanent uh, Rich or Chalcom or node in Karkaland for ages and I eventually stopped because that's exactly like one of those things that I always it always seems like their distinction between exploit and um you know, exploit and poorly designed. So it's kind of like Key runs. People didn't know that key runs were where they were gray area for a while until Enough. Kind of. Okay the thing runs. in this specific example, you might not know, is that there was a karma vendor that sold you picks that could mine any, like you know, or a Chalcom picks essentially, 
Okay, I was wondering and how you level they were they didn't have a level restriction because they weren't an actual regular pick. They were like a karma item pick that had its own ID, and yes. they were pretty cheap karma wise. I mean, they were like six or seven hundred, I want to say, a piece, which is. But back then, karma was more free flowing than it is now, and so you do that, and then you didn't have to do any exploits to get there. You just had to be really careful to get to that ore node, and then basically you just sort of parked there and you know logged in and mined and logged out, and hopefully the Karka Queen didn't one-shot you. Um, but, you know, it's... <laughs> anyway. But back to the point. Uh, there's some specific examples. We'll put the link in the show notes. Um, some of them are a little bit dubious, at least in my opinion, but... Um, I mean, I guess the the rule of thumb is if it if it feels like you're doing something that the boss should be resetting because you're cheesing it out, you're probably shouldn't be doing that. But if you're just doing things like avoiding, yeah. Well, reading reading the posts on the forums, it makes me think all the times that I've killed subject Alpha was I exploiting? I don't know. Um, are you talking about when you like wall hugged it? Everyone stacks in the, in the yeah, everyone walls them in. Is that it doesn't seem real clear to me in the post what is exploited and what isn't. Well, here's here's the thing, and this goes back to like sort of philosophy thing. Some people would actually consider that an exploit. Um, because you're like abusing game mechanics to like make the fight vastly, vastly easier. But but the boss is not getting stuck and yeah. he can still attack you. So Yeah, the fact that he's fine. dumb enough to um stand there in that corner with you and or you know what i mean those those types of things make it yeah okay similarly the one spot you can stand in in the dredge molten facility fractal where there's the multiple yes. traps room is not considered an exploit it's just considered poor design um but again i mean the the one that stood out to me and i mean probably doesn't to everybody but is i'll read it verbatim standing on a rock slash ledge slash platform while the boss attempts to hit you from below yes there are some bosses that still have abilities that hit you is a problem with the pathing and the boss not resetting when it can't reach the target this is exploiting a bug versus standing outside a stationary boss's range is not an exploit the boss should reset after an extended period of time but is not this is an example of poor boss implementation and not an exploit which to me those are the exact same problem which is that the boss isn't the boss that isn't seem resetting. Like the there is thing. a difference in the sense that the one boss is is mobile and so it it's both a pathing and a resetting issue but the core point is that in either circumstance you are unable to be injured and you are able to kill the boss because the boss isn't doing the resetting behavior and it seems so is playing a guardian <laughs> exploiting them? <laughs> Unable to be injured, uh, but yeah, you can do damage. No. Um... <laughs> and and if anyone's wondering what boss is rooted that you can attack and not take any damage, it's actually a world boss. It's oh, is that so? I didn't. Oh yeah, yeah. I guess you're right. Mm -hmm. I see, and it wouldn't yep. even surprise me if there were more, but I just don't care that much because none of the bosses in this game are really difficult enough to matter. So. Uh... Now, if someone figured out how to do that for Tequadl, it would probably instantly be called an exploit, no matter how they managed yeah, to do it. That's probably true. Yeah, that's probably true for sure. Also, because Tequadl has better rewards. But again, that's that's one of those areas that always gets my hackles up when people start throwing around the exploit word for very, very, very loose definitions of the word exploit. Um, you know, again, if you're duping or something like that, then it's pretty obvious that you're exploiting. But if 
the boss is dumb and doesn't path right. It's that's to me that's just poorly designed. As long as caffeine as long is not as exploiting, what? I think we'll be okay. Oh, <laughs> caffeine is not exploiting. I don't know, man. If you're into PvP, those heightened senses. That's true, man. You're exploit. you're doping. I apologize to any PvP tournament players that may have to take testing for caffeine. For <laughs> I'm pretty sure statements. you wouldn't have any players after the fact, especially when they have if they have to fly out anywhere. Caffeine is the lifeblood. Yeah. Anyway, are we yeah, going to go to our next seg- think, segment or what? I think what? it's uh, time. This is actually a really long segment this time. Normally it is either non-existent or or really short, really but short. it's time for... And, and usually it's Spirit saying these words, but I think that it is now time for Cast Cast. Um, I, I, who is going to do this? I'll because, do it. Yeah. Hello and welcome to CastCast, the cast within cast about the cast of other casts and the style of other podcasts. This week on CastCast, hopefully I said that right, and Kate can tell me whether or not I did. Because she's the only one that knows these eldritch words down pat, and we're too lazy to go find her saying it. So so this week on CastCast, it's sort of rotating cog because it's an official thing, but ArenaNet is partnering with Overwolf to do a contest to design a worldview world app. Evie, you said you're a little bit familiar with Overwolf. Why don't you talk about this a little bit? All right. Overwolf is an overlay app similar to how Mumble has an overlay or Steam has an overlay that you can use. And if you use TeamSpeak, you're probably already familiar with it because it's kind of packaged with TeamSpeak in a small way, but that is not the full Overwolf app, so you know. You can go to the Overwolf site and download it, and it has like this nifty little thing. It's a button that'll be on your screen, and you can click it when you're in a game or not, and like overlay things over anything really. And as far as this contest goes, the API I think was changed a little bit or updated, and ArenaNet is giving some Steel Series peripherals. 2,000 gems and $2,000 in prizes. Which I, which I think is really funny to, to give both uh, 2,000 gems and $2,000 since 2,000 gems is only, what, like 30 bucks? Yeah. $20? $20. Anyway. But, this is uh, like whatever. If it was 20,000 yeah. gems, I mean. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's just right. a few legendaries. But, uh, yeah, um, they're having this contest design a world v world related app for overwolf this overlay program which uses web api by the way and you might win if you're the best one um so far i've seen some of the like submissions or whatever like ideas and there is one in particular that is just so bonkers that i don't know if it's even legal to have something like that at all and I have no idea how he'd make it work. Can you but, describe yeah. some of the things that are stand standoutishly excellent or broken? And just so I'm tracking, this is like this overlays. This is like World of Warcraft stuff, um, damage meters, things like that. No, this does not oh, okay. directly interact with the game in, in the sense like it's a program within the game. It's something outside of the game, and it just kind of... It, it's a convenience thing for the most part, usually. Um, as far as the API goes... With Guild Wars, you can get information like what events are running and stuff like that. And just as an example, the one that I thought kind of stuck out the most was this dude that made an overlay that you could drag over your map and you can actually size the overlay map to fit over your in-game map and it will show you where the events in World v. World are going on. 
Oh, I see. As far as like swords and things like that, even if you're not in that map. That's pretty cool. That does raise questions of legality, because where before you had to have yeah. guildies being eyes for you. I mean, sort of. There was the interactive world-v-world map that was just a website, or is, that, you know, tells you when things are getting attacked, and how much time is left on the invulnerability, and all that for, um, you know, that you can just have up on a second monitor. So, I don't know. It it works the same way, except that, I mean, Overwolf uses the same API that that would use. It's just an overlay instead of having something... Yeah, I mean, to me... The difference is only marginal at that point if they're both using a public API and yeah, anything that you can accomplish on a second monitor, I see mm-hmm. zero problem with having on an overlay as long as it, yeah, I mean, if if it would help you to have it on a second monitor, as in times and locations, then I don't see why it's any different being overlaid. It's not like it's auto-targeting you and stuff. Yep, exactly. I get- I guess it's ArenaNet's choice if that if the API is pro- providing that information. Thing is, I think it should be more widely spread so people can know, so not some players can have an advantage. You know, it's it's kind of the same as the like league players that will screen capture just the mini map and blow it up yeah. on the second screen. Yeah. Anyway, it's uh, it's cool though. I love I love that they're officially partnering with somebody to to try and get this out there. There was a lot of promise before release about third party apps and a smartphone app in theory for Worldy World or Cross Chat or things like that. I'm still it's, waiting for my. Yeah, I mean, well, they said that it, the you know whoever was in charge of it, I believe, left, and then the project basically just got dropped because they didn't have enough time or resources to bother getting it working. Yeah, they right. left before launch even right. happened. So. <sighs> anyway. Other than that, for Cast Cast, we have a short YouTube video that gives a bit of a preview for Commander Tags and how they can change colors Commander and stuff. Um, there is a wonderful blog on YI Game for a guide to moving combat. There is a forum post for Guild Wars 2 themed adult beverages. Cough, alcohol. I'm always a, I'm always a fan of a and referential beverage. We've got a fun a fun geek bar over here, a tavern really that all of AFK, the, right? The yep, yeah. AFK. I hope that these beverages show up at AFK cuz um I liked when I was visiting once what was it uh Iron Man. What's Iron Man's name? Tony, Tony Stark? Stark. Yes, Tony Stark's Breakfast of Champions and it was cherry yeah. coke and scotch. My one of my favorite drinks and I'm going to sound horrible is actually the Rainbow Road. <laughs> Which is basically a line of shots with that they're all different colors, obviously, so they're different like alcohols in general. But in each one, they'll drop like something that kind of ascertains to one of the racers. Like the purple shot has a mushroom in it. And yeah, yeah. Uh, I think my favorite was always the Krogan mystery, which was that you told them how much money you wanted to pay for your drink and they made it up and you never knew what you were going to get. <laughs> Yeah, that's, that's an great. excellent way um, to do that. Anyway, but uh, moving on. Uh, and speaking of departing, I guess, with uh, regard to the mobile app, we actually saw two departures on, I believe, the same day, or at least the internet learned of their departures. Very yeah. close together. Um, which was kind of shocking, shocking, if only because they are both semi-high profile people, at least in terms of the community. Yeah, well, who, who the, the player players seems, is exactly. Um, the first yes. one is Kate Welch, who is the host of Points of Interest, which is 
And she was the UI designer. She, yeah, she was a right? UI designer. She, I believe, worked on the um, wardrobe. Yeah, wardrobe. among other things. So it was um, really interesting that she's leaving when they have points of interest. It seemed from her post that she's voluntarily leaving. She wasn't fired. Sometimes it's hard to tell because they will very rarely ever say they were fired. Um, you know, they'll just say no longer working with or or whatnot. But but here it was very obvious that she was choosing to leave, which is honestly not that surprising to see. The you know the turnover is high for gaming. Industry yeah, general, and so. yeah, there's there's I know there's a lot of people. I've spoken to people that worked on Guild Wars One that left, and it seems like there's a lot of people that it's not so much dissatisfaction as much as they sort of have um they sort of have a case of of wanderlust, you know, and they they sort of they just want to do different things. It's nothing. Those those artisty types, they they always yeah. have to be doing something new. Ugh. But has she been? She's with been them with them for four recently? years, I think. Okay. And yeah. which is quite a long time. However, not quite as long as how long Martin Kirstein has yeah, been. Yeah, and there. so for anybody who may not know who he is, he originally started as a German community manager, um, and German as in he is German, but actually for Germany in Guild Wars One, and he sort of moved up the community management side until he was the sort of head of the community management head, department. Quote, quote. Um, and it's a little bit unclear whether he quit or was fired. I would guess that he was fired, but it's, there was, there was sort of a, a whole controversy about it. I don't think we really want to talk too much about the actual controversy, but it seems like there was some rough, some, some tension between Martin and the company at large. The stuff that went on at GamesCon and the interview with, oh, we're not doing anything. I mean, I think that my my guess on it, my take would be from reading some of his tweets and sort of just looking at how things have been going is that he's either on one of two sides with regard to how the company is communicating with us. He either thinks that they should be communicating more and they are not, or he thinks they should be communicating less and they have recently started communicating with us. And... Um, I don't really know which side of that debate he's on, but I, it seemed pretty obvious that he felt like he was being ignored and, um, you know, didn't, didn't have an agreeable departure, it seems like. So, um, yeah, I mean, it's, but the best, yeah, all the best wishes. Martin, cause yes. d- damn dude, that that's all I gotta say. You make an amazing host and yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, it, yeah. Go, go, like host tournaments for league or something. I don't know. Just, just go be the amazing face that you are. Yeah, it, I mean, <laughs> it'll be interesting to see where he goes from here. So, you know, I mean, best wishes to him. It's a little bit more unusual than Kate's leaving, I suppose. But at the same time, like we said, turnover in the industry is pretty high. Um, it just feels more shocking, I guess, when it's somebody that has sort of a more public-facing position to the company but there's people that come and go all the time in the games industry i think it's more just that we know who he is that makes it seem more shocking so there you have it i guess so i guess with that um it's about time to sign off unless you guys had anything else you desperately wanted to talk about yeah Um, we're just waiting for that feature patch is that and for the living story to resume and for them to announce the expansion at oh 
That's Speaking what we of, all really want. This tomorrow, next, yeah. I meant to mention this um, when I was talking about how we're podcasting a day before my theory will pan out. Tomorrow, on the anniversary of Guild Wars, the blog post that's going to be coming out is called A Clean Slate, or A Fresh Start. I don't remember, but same effective meaning. Um, so I'm kind of really interested to see what that is about. It's It might be about something just like, you know, new... Some something new in the game. My hope is that it's a little bit more of a heart-to-heart with the player base about the community and the future and all that stuff like we got from Colin. And incidentally, I looked it up, and the last time we had one of those big blog posts was in July of 2013, and that was a six-month update from his year-long forecast slash... Um, what's the word I'm looking for? Roadmap. His year-long roadmap, which was in January of 2013. So it's effectively been almost a year and a half since we've had any sort of roadmap-style blog post about where we're going. And so maybe that's going to be a good opportunity to do it. So I guess you'll find out. Or or it's a response to like what's been going on with the very visual way two prominent figures have left the company. They're just like, hey, we're giving this job to Ruby because she's awesome. And I think Ruby should get that job. And I am totally not uh, throwing that out there because, you know, she may or may not have been a community person for a we're while. We're not playing and, favorites. Yeah. Good we're not playing Ruby. favorites. I hope Ruby, you get a promotion. Um, <laughs> so anyway, I guess we'll find out what that is. <laughs> and this will probably be released on the same day or afterwards. So I guess you'll find out when we find out. So with that, I think it's time to sign off. Thank you for paying attention to us if you've lasted this long, and uh, we will be back next week. That was another episode of Relics of War. If you'd like to get involved, you can find us on any social networking site such as Facebook, Twitter, Steam, and many more just by looking up Relics of War. That's Relics of O-R-R. Similarly, if you'd like to send us mail, you can send that to relicsoforr at gmail.com or go to our website, relicsofor.com, where you can record right there on the front page using our WordPress widget to put on a headset and give us your feedback. Or if you feel more comfortable with it, you can go ahead and just record the audio and send it to us as an OGG or an MP3 file. If you'd like to join us in-game, send a whisper to Cole, C-O-E-H-L, and Nexi, A-N-E-K-S-I, C-Squirrel Run, that's a C, and then Squirrel, and then Run, or Spirit Face to get in contact with us or join the guild. Last, we always love the comments, so if you want to go to our main site and start commenting on some of the posts that we've got or join our forums, you can have fun with that. If you listen to us on iTunes, you can find our page on the market and just leave a comment or a rating that you feel that we deserve. If you appreciate that, we'll read them on the show. 